Therefore, if you can use all these technologies, uh, it will help you to really do the, the most out of your uh, inputs and, and get the most of your crops. And, and that ultimately saves money. It gives you more earnings and it's also sustainable. So it's really a win-win situation for everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in the world. This is the Climate 21 podcast, the number one podcast showcasing best practices in climate emissions reductions. And I'm your host, Global Vice President for SAP, Tom Raftery. Climate 21 is the name of an initiative by SAP to allow our customers calculate, report, and reduce their greenhouse gas emissions. In this Climate 21 podcast, I will showcase best practices and thought leadership by SAP, by our customers, by our partners, and by our competitors, if they're game, in climate emissions reductions. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast in your podcast app of choice to be sure you don't miss any episodes. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Climate 21 podcast. My name is Tom Raftery with SAP, and with me on the show today, I have my special guest, Tobias. Tobias, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, sure. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me, Tom. Um, my name is Tobias Fausch. I'm the CIO of Baiva. Okay, Tobias, can you, well, first of all, I should explain to people listening that we have invited you onto the podcast because Baiva have been recognized as one of the 50 sustainability and climate leaders worldwide. And congratulations on that. But for, for people who are listening, who might not have heard of Baiva, could you explain who or what Baiva is? Yes, of course. Well, actually, Baiva typically isn't known beyond Bavaria in Germany. Um, so <laughs> I, I think it really makes sense to explain who Baiva is, because actually we're a global company. So of some 22,000 employees, we have 17 billion turnover, and we are active in the uh, renewable energy uh, sector, in agriculture, as well as building and materials. Okay. And I mean, that sounds like a quite diverse and unrelated portfolio. Can you explain where that portfolio comes from? What's the kind of thinking behind such diverse materials? Well, I think one of the things where all of them actually meet is sustainability. Renewable energy is a hot topic, uh, of photovoltaic um, um, power plants, uh, wind, wind energy power plants. Um, they all lead to sustainable, uh, to more sustainability in the world. Agriculture, this is basically the foundation, the history of, of um, Baiva. It started as an agricultural company. And in a sense, building materials came somewhere in between. It was, uh, if you have a farmer, he will need a building and such. And, and so that just added to the business. Okay. And sustainability is obviously important to Baiva, or you wouldn't have been recognized as one of the uh, 50 climate leaders. Why is it important? If you look at uh, the climate, uh, you will see that uh, it's recognized that the climate actually changes. It gets warmer and warmer. And if you want to fight that, you need to become more sustainable. So in that sense, it's essential for the whole world that we become more sustainable. And I think you can see that if you look at what most companies nowadays do, they want to become climate neutral by 2030 or so. Okay. And is it your aim to just become climate neutral yourselves or is it your aim to help your customers become climate neutral? And if the second, how are you going about that? 
Well, this is actually where I think Baiva differs from other companies. We will not only become climate neutral ourselves, we'll also help our customers to become climate neutral. First of all, renewable energy per se is climate uh, helpful for the climate. So that's a very important um, task that we do. We plan to add another 10 gigawatts of renewable energy by 2025, for example. But we also want to reduce our own greenhouse gases by 22%. And um, the same goes for the energy consumption. So we're doing a lot on our end. But also, and especially if you look beyond um, renewable energy, if you look into agriculture, agriculture is also a very big industry. And here uh, you have a lot of greenhouse gases uh, being produced. Mm -hmm. If you become more sustainable in agriculture, this also helps climate. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. And I mean, can you talk about some of the, um, the ways you're helping your customers to reduce their carbon footprint? Um, yeah, actually, we have a lot going on there. Um, one of the most interesting ones to start with is AgriPV. So we have solar panels which are installed on the fields. So you have a dual use. On the one hand, you can grow your crops. On the other hand, you have solar panels above your crop. Now, apart from producing energy, you do more to the plants because these are very specific solar panels which um, are designed that they um, let pass through certain wavelengths. And these wavelengths are important for the growth of the plants. So on the one hand, you have a shelter. You can't have too much sun, but you have the right frequencies uh, showing up at the plant so it can grow and um, you also can shelter it from hail so you really have a dual use by having um, the um, solar panels above the the crops okay and uh, i i saw some of that on video the these solar panels are up on stilts three or four meters above the crops which is you know enough for farm vehicles to travel underneath them safely and also i imagine there's a reduction in the amount of evaporation of water yes uh, yeah these effects also but also you can uh, shelter from too much water you can have kind of an umbrella so it really is, it's not really a greenhouse that you have mm -hmm. because it's still in the open, um, but it does have a, a quite a few effects of that as well. That's correct. Yes. Superb, superb, superb. Um, and you're, you're working with satellite imagery as well. Can you tell me a little bit about what you're doing with satellite imagery? Why is that important? Um, satellites are, are very important because basically you have three layers at which you can look at plants. You can have a robot or yourself just being on the ground. Mm -hmm. If you go a little higher, you could have a drone or a plane flying above your crop, yeah. or the furthest away, you could have a satellite. Now, the farther away you are, actually, the cheaper the information gets. A satellite will pass over the same patch of land every five days or so, okay. at, at least. So you get a picture every five days, at, at least if you don't have clouds. Mm -hmm. It takes a satellite 90 minutes to circle the Earth. So uh, you, you usually get a lot of pictures. And um, with these pictures, you can start working with a re resolution of 10 by 10 meters. And these pictures are very helpful because they tell you a lot about what's going on on the ground, but they're cheap. So the combination of having a satellite image and the information you can uh, get, get out from this is really helpful in becoming more sustainable. Let me explain that a little. 
If you have the satellite picture, you can see whether the fields you have are homogeneous. And in fact, they are not. Now, if a field is not homogeneous, the plants will not grow equally because it depends on the quality of the land they are growing on. If you have the satellite image, you can tell your machinery where to do what. And you can use that for seeding, especially for maize. If the uh, earth is very good, you uh, can plant the seeds a lot closer than if it's not so good. So you can really optimize the number of seeds you need to use. And you also optimize the crop you get because you have the right density of plants. Right. Now, you can do more because from the satellite picture, you can also see whether the plant has enough water. What we have developed is a growth model for plants. Okay. So we actually calculate the growth of a plant above ground and below ground. And because of that growth model, we also know when does the plant need nutrients? So when do you need to fertilize? When does it need how much water? Because everyone knows if you put too much water into a pot, the flower will actually drown. Yep. So it's not only too little water, it's also too much water, which help, uh, doesn't help. And therefore, if you can support that by a satellite image, you can do that spe patch specific. You can really uh, do it the right quantity at the right time for the right plant. And with that, we also have a yield prediction. So we can predict like six to eight weeks in advance what uh, type of crop we expect. So there's a lot of things that we can do, which on the one hand, help optimize your crop, mm -hmm. optimize growth, while minimizing the input. And this is sustainability. And I'm, I, I understand or I assume in that case what you guys are doing is you're consuming the satellite data on behalf of the farmers who are your customers and you have some kind of a platform that they can log in and get information then based on your platform with the satellite data that you've purchased and run into your your smart farmer platform or whatever it is. Yeah, right. Uh, we, we actually have a model. So um, if a farmer says, this is my field and I want to have the data, then we collect the data from the satellite. We have, and this is also very interesting, what we actually do is we do not interpret the satellite picture. We calculate the satellite picture and compare to the real one. And that way we can scale whether our model, our growth model actually works properly. Because you don't have a picture every minute, so you don't have the real growth, you just have uh, some pictures uh, a couple of days, and the weather might behave a little differently than what you expected in your model. Okay. And therefore, we can calibrate our picture by comparing it to the real picture. Fascinating. Okay. Okay. So you've got a whole farm management system in that scenario then. Is that the case? Yes, absolutely. So we can offer services, like we can help them uh, seeding, we can help them irrigating. Um, we can offer all the services that the satellite pictures actually allow us to, to provide uh, data for. Okay. And crucially for you guys, when you're doing all these things for your customers, it is sustainability that is front of mind in most of your decisions. Is that is that the case? Well, actually, it's sustainability is the ultimate target. And digitalization is one of the means to really get there. Mm. Because um, typically, if you don't have uh, technical means, what you do is 
putting a little more fertilizer will help, putting a little more water will help, but it's too much. And that that is more costly for you, and it's also not sustainable. And therefore, if you can use all these technologies, uh, it will help you to really do the, the most out of your uh, inputs and, and get the most of your crops. And, and that ultimately saves money. It gives you more earnings and it's also sustainable. So it's really a win-win situation for everyone. True. Yep. And is this, so is the business model for this on a subscription basis or how does it work? What we have is we have packages. They start from free just to get a try and see what works all the way to professional packages, which are then for large farms, uh, and, and there you would have a, uh, not just a subscription. Subscription would be the online version, but where you really have uh, some local software that, that you run. Okay. But you, you also have a subscription service for people to put flowers on farms. That's the latest. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually the, the latest uh, model that we have. And, and this is an interesting one, too, because... Essentially, what we wanted to do, we, we wanted to come up with a simple solution where you can really make use of blockchain. Okay. So it's a technology, but who's interested in what a blockchain really is? You want to see what can we do with it. So what we decided, we want to uh, have a product and we wanted to have it within six months because there's a show uh, at the Oktoberfest that should have taken place last year. But, you know, the pandemic. So in the end, it didn't happen. Right. But we wanted to be ready by then anyway. So we decided we need to have a simple process or simple processes um, that we can show uh, blockchain works with. And what we decided is we want to connect uh, people who want to invest in biodiversity with farmers being willing to actually grow flowers to um, have that biodiversity. So we want to have N people being willing to spend money on biodiversity, connect with M farmers, who are ready to, to grow flowers. Now, what we have done is uh, we have a platform. You can log on. You can say, I want to invest X euros for this and that farm. You can look at the pictures. You can look at the farm at the description. And then uh, the farmer does not get the money immediately. It's converted. It's stored in tokens, which are tracked in the blockchain. And then... When he starts growing, he'll get a fraction of the money. If he shows that the flowers are there, he gets a little money. And so we can really split that into multiple uh, chunks that he gets. And the idea is we really want to trace with the blockchain that that happens. Very good. Very good. And I mean, the the, the benefits to that are beyond just that as well, though, because you're not just increasing biodiversity of plant life you're also increasing biodiversity of pollinators, correct? So there's a big benefit for the farmers from that too. That's one of the things that we look into if you grow cherries or apples or uh, other uh, such fruits. At the time these trees have flowers, there's a lot of food for insects. Mm. But it's just for a couple of days. Now, if you as a human get uh, food for five days a year, uh, you wouldn't survive nor do the insects. So the number of insects that we have which are able to pollinate are real, a real issue to farmers. And, and therefore, if we can add these flower fields, we can actually feed bees or insects 
and they can then pollinate the, uh, the, the flowers. Fantastic. Yeah, no, that's great. It's a very innovative solution, I got to say. It's really nice. Um, speaking of apples, you've also come up with a variety of apple, which is drought resistant, I think, is it? Well, it's more drought resistant than others. Of course, you have a lot of water in the app, so you can't really dry it. <laughs> yes, of course. That's, that's where uh, our uh, uh, company in New Zealand, uh, PNG, uh, developed that apple, that variety. For apples, climate is a real tricky thing. Um, a couple of years ago, we had a hail. Just one day of hail destroyed 80% of the crop. Wow. And so if you have just 20% of the crop and it's not the ideal crop, well, there's not much business you can do. Mm. So one of the risks is at the time the, the apple trees are flowering or blossom, you, you may have um, you may have hailstorms. The other thing is during the year, because the climate changed so dramatically, you may have a lot of rain or you may have no rain at all. And to become more resistant for the apples to get away with not having that much water for a longer period of time, not no water, but less, uh, that's very important for us as a grower. Okay. And I mean, not just yourselves, but, you know, anyone who's growing apples, is this, are, are you selling these seeds to other farmers as well? Yes, we also, uh, these varieties are also offered to others in the franchise model. Fantastic. And I, I I think it's TNG as well, your, your New Zealand offshoot who've uh, come up with a new form of power generation, or maybe it's not new, but have, are creating uh, power using um, waste material. Is that correct? The waste of tomatoes is being used. Yes, uh, we have biogas uh, power plants and all the uh, organic material can be used to actually uh, feed that that biogas power plant. Fantastic. And I mean, speaking of renewable energy, then uh, you're also part of RE100. RE100, for people who are unaware, is an organization of companies who source or set targets to source a 100% of their power from renewables, hence RE100. SAP is also a member of RE100, but you guys are members of RE100 as well. Isn't that correct? Uh, it's correct, and we are already there. Since 2020, we source all our energy from re renewable sources. But in in the end, we have an advantage here because we're one of the large <laughs> project companies actually developing uh, solar power plants. Yeah, yeah, you're you're uh, getting high on your own supply uh, to to use an expression from uh, the movie Scarface. I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> we're not yet getting high, but but we're all making use of it. <laughs> Okay, superb. Uh, we're we're coming towards the end of the podcast now, Tobias. Is is there any question that I haven't asked you that you wish I had, or is there any any topic we've not come up with that you think it's important for people to be aware of? Well, I just would like to go back to the greenhouses uh, for tomatoes because we have one in Alain, which is close to Dubai. Uh -huh. And um, I think it sounds a little crazy of growing tomatoes in the desert, <laughs> but I think it does make a lot of sense also from a sustainability point of view. Okay. Because if you grow the tomatoes in the desert and you have a large city nearby, you avoid transport costs. Sure. And transportation, of course, is also creating CO2. Yeah. So that's one of the things. And if you see that we can reuse 70% of the water that we need for, for watering the plants, this is also highly efficient. 
And water, of course, is one of the things that is, which is really scarce in the desert. Okay, but you're not growing them in the open air, I assume? No, it's a greenhouse. Uh, is it shaded in some way so they're not in direct sunlight? No, you have just uh, grass on top. Wow, we must get really hot in there. Uh, greenhouses are pretty warm. Yeah. Uh, but, but in a desert at night, it gets cold. So you really have to take care. It's not only warmth, it's also cold that you need to take care of. Okay, uh, Tobias, if people want to know more about yourself or about uh, Beva or any of the things we've discussed on the podcast today, where would you have me direct them? Well, first of all, we have our webpage, baiva.com, uh, where you will have most of the information, where you have the key contact persons. Um, and, and I think that's the best starting point. If not, uh, IRU, I think uh, my email address is, is not a, uh, a secret. And I'm on LinkedIn as well. So this would also be a contact. Perfect. Perfect. Tobias, that's been great. Thanks a million for coming on the podcast today. My pleasure. Thanks a lot. Okay, we've come to the end of the show. Thanks everyone for listening. If you'd like to know more about Climate 21, feel free to drop me an email to tom.raftery at sap.com or connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter. If you liked the show, please don't forget to subscribe to it in your podcast application of choice to get new episodes as soon as they're published. Also, please don't forget to rate and review the podcast. It really does help new people to find the show. Thanks. Catch you all next time.